Romans chapter 12, I hope you found it by now. Verse 1. Let's begin. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and perfect. We're going to continue our series through the book of Romans. We've been in Romans for, gosh, uh, several months. And we're going to be in here till probably about the end of May. But we're taking a little, uh, a little bit of a shift today. We're going to look a little bit differently. It's a little bit different lens here. As we move into chapter 12, we've retitled this little series for the next few weeks, staying in Romans. We've titled this Marks of a Transformed Life. What does it look like? to be transformed. When I think of the word transformed or transformation, a lot of different images come to mind, a lot of different ideas of places where we see transformation happen. One of the things I thought of this week was my friend Lee Crow. I'm going to put Lee's picture up here on the screen. This is my buddy Lee. We were, uh, we were in the same dorm in college years ago at Southwest Baptist University. We lived on the same floor of the dorm. And we were friends back then. And then through Facebook, we reconnected a few years later when Facebook became a thing. And we've stayed in touch. And he started following Mason and Micah's band. He invited, he's, he's been kind of a, a connection in Arkansas to gigs down there. He's always trying to get him booked in Arkansas where Lee lives. And we've stayed in touch a long time. And, and Lee ha and I have um, one thing in common. His daughter also was born premature, just as Mason and Micah were. And we kind of connected through that. And so we've stayed in touch over the years on Facebook. The last time I saw Lee was uh, when you played that show like 4th of July. That would have been eight years ago probably, right? The last time I saw Lee. And this is about what he looked like the last time I saw him. But when I see him on Facebook, I notice a transformation began to take place in his life. And, and I, he shared his story with me that he had some health problems. They got worse to the point that three years ago he ended up in the hospital for a week. And he feared that he wasn't going to survive. At one point, he said his oxygen level was 76%. Now, I'm not a nurse, but I think that's bad. And uh, he nearly died. And he thought of his wife. He thought of his two little girls. And he said, if I don't change my life, I'm going to die and leave my family uh, to go on without me. I don't want that to happen. He said he called out to God and said, God, I need to change the way that I'm living my life. I need to change my health. Now, this is Lee's picture today if you saw him on Facebook. He has lost in the last three years over 200 pounds. Isn't that dramatic? That's a transformation. And everything about his life changed. His posts are all, he's always like, it's always a picture of him in a 5K or a bike race or meal prepping or talking about some supplement that he found to be really helpful in his protein shakes. Everything he talks about is being healthy and getting healthy. It's dramatic. If I were to see Lee today, if I hadn't worked for Facebook and I passed Lee on the, in the hallway, I wouldn't recognize him. He doesn't look the same that he looked when I saw him last a few years ago. There was a dramatic change that took place in his life. I love stories of transformation, of something that is dramatically different today than it used to be. And we all love those stories. How do we know we all love those stories? Because that's the theme of so many reality TV shows, isn't it? They're all about 
uh, a, a diet, like the biggest loser, someone who went from this, weighing a lot to lose a lot, or it's a, it's a home show, move that bus, and we see the transformation of the house. We're always like renovating someone's life, renovating someone's style. There's these makeover shows where the guy goes backstage, he gets a haircut and his beard shaved and, and a new outfit, and he comes out, and we love to say, wow, look at the change that took place in that person. Look at the change that took place in that house. Look at the transformation that's happened. Well, today we're kicking off this series, Marks of a Transformed Life. We're going to talk about spiritual transformation. My buddy Lee made a decision that changed everything about his life. His decision regarded his physical health. I don't want to be overweight. I don't want to be unhealthy. And dramatically, over the course of the last three years, he has dramatically transformed the way he looks, the way he thinks, the way he lives. The story is all about, you can do what I've done. Look at the transformation that God has allowed me to go through. It's a physical transformation in his case. I want to talk this, starting today, and we're going to talk the next few weeks about a spiritual transformation that God wants to do in our life. We're going to look at several marks or signs of a transformed life through Romans chapter 12 and Romans chapter 11. Something happens in Romans 12. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, you want to grab the one under the seat in front of you. It's on page 947. Page 947, Romans 12, we've been tracking through this for several months. Something shifts in the beginning of chapter 12. Listen to what he says. I appeal to you, therefore. I appeal to you, therefore. With the word, therefore, a change takes place. He's been talking for the first 11 chapters about the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. We're going to go back and review a little bit of that in a moment. But what he's been saying for 11 chapters is you can be made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And he's made this uh, theological or doctrinal case of what that means and what that involves. In chapter 12, verse 1, with the word therefore, Paul makes a shift. And he shifts from the doctrine and the theology of the first 11 chapters to the practical outworking of that or the application of that. If you come to believe everything he's been saying for 11 chapters and, and, and you take that to heart and make this commitment to follow Jesus, what does that look like? Well, chapter 12, he begins to spell out what would change about your life. If you begin to follow Jesus as he's been laying out for 11 chapters. And we're going to really key off of this word, uh, transform. Look at verse 2, chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Put the word on the screen, transformed. That phrase, be transformed, comes from this Greek word. Now, we don't normally talk about the Greek words here, but I think this is kind of cool. What do you, when you look at that word, you know, a lot of our English words... All of, probably nearly all of English words have their origin in some other language. So maybe you've, you've taken a Spanish class and you say, wow, that Spanish word sounds like this English word. Or you've learned French and you say, well, that's interesting. This English word sounds like this French word. Well, you do the same thing if you study Greek. You'll go, that's interesting. That word sounds like this English word. What, when you look at that word, what English word do you think of? Metamorphosis. Let's put it up there, metamorphosis. Okay? Now, it's, the Greek word there means to change into another form. And so we draw from that same definition, our English definition for the word metamorphosis, to change, and we use it generally in English to refer to physical form or structure, that something dramatically changes. Okay, now, you guys have had biology, right? High school biology. What, what is, what, give me an example of metamorphosis. Do we have one? 
A butterfly. Who said that? Okay. A, a caterpillar turned into a butterfly. What, what's another one? I know another one. That's the most common one. There's another one that I thought of. What is it? I don't know what that means. A tadpole turning a frog. Okay, here's, we'll put some pictures up here. One is a caterpillar turning a butterfly. That's a dramatic change when something that was sort of like crawling around, eating leaves, comes and emerges into this beautiful butterfly that now can fly all over the country. It's a dramatic change. Here's the other one you mentioned. You have this little tadpole just kind of like squirming around in the murky water, and he changes. He's transformed into a frog that can be in the water, out of the water, eating yummy insects. And, and it's a dramatic change. And so that, because that's the, what the word meant in the Greek language, to, to, to undergo a change into another form, we take that same word in English, and we study it in biology. When a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, when a tadpole turns into a frog, there's this transformation that happens would a butterfly want to go back to the life of a caterpillar I doubt it if you were set free from being a tadpole and you now live the life of a frog you're not going to return to the life of a tadpole there's a transformation that happens in the life of a caterpillar the life of a tadpole and we're going to talk spiritually about the transformation that happens to us through Christ, when we trust him, when we follow him, we can be transformed. We're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. We've been transformed. And this transformation impacts every area of our daily lives. We're going to dig into that in the coming weeks as we move our way through chapter 12, chapter 13, and we see examples of transformation. Today we're going to make some just general observations about the idea of transformation that we discover here in the first two verses. Listen to Romans 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your minds that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm going to look four general observations about transformation to build this foundation that we're going to jump from over the next few weeks to look at Practical, everyday, what does it look like if I'm following Jesus and I've been transformed by him? The first thing I want you to notice this morning, and this is foundational, everything we're going to say, and it builds on everything we've said the last several months, is that a transformed life is made possible only through the grace of Jesus. A transformed life is made possible only through the grace of Jesus. I want to make sure you get that down at the very beginning. Because what we're not going to give you is, here's a list of things that you need to change about your life if you want to be made right with God. Okay? Don't hear this as, okay, I'm not what, who God wants me to be. I need to be better. So let me get a list of things, do's and don'ts, that I can start working on. And over time, my life will become better. I'll clean up the bad things in my life. I'll start doing some good things. And then, over time, I'll become transformed into who God wants me to be. That's not what he's saying. He's saying here that God transforms you by his grace, by his mercy, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. I said earlier, 
therefore divides this book into two parts here. The first half dealt with our need for salvation and what God did through Jesus to provide that salvation. The second half is going to deal with the practical application, what it looks like as it works itself out in our life. We have to understand that this application flows from right doctrine. Our application flows from right theology. And also right doctrine, right theology will need to lead to the right application in our lives. And so the, trans, the, the challenge here is, guys, you have now, as you consider the mercies of God, all that I've said to you about the mercies of God, therefore, in light of that, I'm calling on you to present your bodies as living sacrifices to him. Calling on you to not be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So this challenge to live a transformed life is made in view of God's mercy. The spiritual transformation is impossible apart from the mercy of God. It's impossible apart from the grace of God. It doesn't say, go and transform yourselves. Uh, It's saying, you're going to be transformed, and this is all in view of God's mercy. Here's the most important thing we have to understand here is that changing the outside of your life doesn't make you right with God. It's God's mercy that saves us. It's God's grace that allows us to be forgiven. You cannot get right with God by cleaning up the outward conduct of your life. He's been dealing with that a lot already. He's talking about uh, the Jewish ritual and Jewish routine and Jewish religion, that none of the law made you right with God, that you had to have Jesus Christ as your Savior. You, You can't clean up the outside. How many times have you been to a funeral visitation? And you've walked up to the casket to see the person laying in the casket. And somebody inevitably will say something like this. They'll say, oh, he looks so good, doesn't he? He just really looks good. And I'll think, that's sort of an, he's, but he's dead, right? I mean, somebody went through a lot of effort. You picked out the best suit, and somebody put makeup, and somebody did his or her hair, and they made this person look as good as they can, but inside their heart is no longer beating. You can't clean up the outside doesn't change the inside. We have to be made to live again through faith in Jesus Christ, this new life that we've been talking about in these 11 chapters leading up to this. So you can't just change the outside. It has to start on the inside when we understand the grace and the mercy of God. Everything he's going to say is done in view of the mercies of God, verse 1 says. It begins with understanding of his grace and his mercy. It's God's grace that makes new life possible. It's God's grace motivates us to live differently. God's grace calls us to holiness and obedience. So everything has been said at this point, that our sin has separated us from God, that Jesus died to provide forgiveness, that God offers that salvation to those who will commit their life to Jesus Christ. All of this has been built up to this moment. That Jesus Christ has made possible by his grace, by his mercy, has made it possible for you to live a new life. So we start there. You can't dive into this list and say, let's move through 12 and, okay, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll stop this, I'll stop that, I'll start this. It doesn't work that way. You can't just start at 12. You've got to go 1 through 11 here. We have to understand that we're not right with God apart from faith in Jesus Christ. And when we put our faith in Jesus, now his grace motivates us to live differently. So what he's going to say here is, if that's happened in your life, a change will take place. If you've put your faith in Jesus because of God's mercy, something changes in your life. We begin to look and live and act differently. 
were talking the other day, I can't remember where we were, but uh, we were talking with um, Mason and Micah, I think we're there, and Tyler and some other people, we were talking about, uh, about uh, d- being twins and, and how people react when they see that you're twins and who could tell you apart and who couldn't. And it was like maybe last week in the lobby we were having this conversation. And, 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 how, and, and one of the things Micah said, he goes, something interesting, he said, the iPhone can't tell us apart. You know how when you look at your phone, and you have an iPhone, and it has a face recognition, you look at your phone, and it opens it right up. Mason can open Micah's phone, and Micah can open Mason's phone. So as advanced as their facial recognition technology is at Apple, it can't tell identical twins apart yet. And, and, and so they look the same to the iPhone. Now here's the thing. Do you look the same as the world around you? Do you look identical to the person you were before Jesus? Do you look identical in the way you think and the way you live and the way you act to the world around you who are not followers of Jesus? When you come to understand the mercies of God in verse 1, something happens in your life. You're changed. A transformation takes place. And that's what we're going to focus on the rest of this morning and the rest of the next couple of months. How should I look if I've understood the mercies of God? In view of God's mercies, back to chapter 12, verse 1. In view of God's mercies, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Here's the second observation I want you to make this morning. And that is that a transformed life, a transformed life pursues holiness over conformity. A transformed life pursues holiness over conformity. I appeal to you, brothers... Therefore, everything I've said, everything I've been writing, everything I've been saying, I appeal to you. Now, by God's mercy, present your body to him as a living sacrifice. Some translate this, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now, we read that, and uh, we talked so much in this that the original reader would have caught things that we didn't catch. They would have read things differently than we would have read them. In their historical and cultural context, they were looking through a different lens that we might not be looking through today. If you lived in Paul's day and you read that word, your mind would immediately go probably to the animal sacrifices that were so common all around you in religious expression. You would have gone to the fact that, that, yeah, that's what people do when they worship. They take an animal sacrifice and they sacrifice that animal as part of their spiritual or a part of their religious or ritual of the ritual or routine of their religion. But what he's saying here is because of Christ's sacrificial death, animal sacrifices are no longer necessary or effective. God doesn't want an animal sacrifice, He wants the sacrifice of your life, He wants daily obedience. God is not interested in their, in their day. We've done this a lot. We said, what was, how would they have understood it? And then bridge the gap to our day. What he would have said to them, how they would have understood it, is I don't take this animal and sacrifice it anymore. I give my life to God now. I live my life for him now. And in our day, God would say, I don't want your religion. I don't want your ritual. I don't want your routine. I want your life to be a daily sacrifice to me. Are you living out your faith? 
What's the equivalent of bringing an animal to a temple and sacrificing it in that day? We, we can say, gosh, why would you even do that? We do the same thing, right? We just, we just, it's going to church. It's dropping something in the offering plate. We were having a conversation about the way people dress, you know, and some people think if I dress the right way, you know, put on the right outfit and I go to the right place on the right day at the right time, go through this routine, this ritual, and God says, this is not your, it's not ritual that I'm looking for. It's not uh, religion I'm looking for. It's the sacrifice of your life. Are you living out your faith? Are you offering a daily sacrifice of your life to God? Or is your showing up here on Sunday just a ritual, a routine of your life? Do you live it out? I urge you, brothers, he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Living and holy and pleasing sacrifice to God. That's true worship. Is this just a routine? What, you're, I shared this, I think, a while back, but years ago, it was a guy who came to our church who was a, in law enforcement, and he did a lot of undercover work. And, and I remember him sharing with me one time that it was a little awkward that on a couple of occasions, he saw someone here that he knew from his line of work. That's not good when the undercover drug agent goes, I know that guy from somewhere. You know, what is your, hopefully it was another visitor, okay, but... He didn't name names. The point is, what does your life look like outside of here? You might come here and go through the routine, the ritual, offer the ritualistic sacrifice of showing up on a Sunday morning. But are you offering your life as a living and pleasing sacrifice to God? Are you living a life of holiness? Look back at verse 12. Appealing to them here to pursue holiness over conformity. We're going to get to conformity in just a moment in verse 2, but in verse 1 he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. What does the word holy mean? We talked about this so much over the past few years. What's the word holy mean? What's a simple definition? Set apart. Someone said it. Set apart, right? It means something set apart for one, from everything else for one particular purpose, and I always use this illustration. I think it's the best thing I can think of it in, in my daily world. Is It's like a toothbrush, right? How is your toothbrush holy? Your toothbrush has one dedicated purpose, right? To brush your teeth. If you use the toothbrush for any other purpose, it's no longer holy, is it? Right? Like you can't, you can't go, oh, what's this brush? Oh, that's the brush that I, br that's what I brush my teeth with and clean the toilet and shine my shoes. You go, no, 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 no. You know, like, you need three brushes if that's what you're doing. Maybe two, ideally three, but definitely not one, Right? Because if I take the toothbrush and I go like, oh, I'm brushing my teeth, and wow, the toilet looks a little dirty today. Let me just polish that up. And oh, right back. You go, that's disgusting, okay? Because why? Because this is a holy thing in your life. This is holy. It's everybody. Never thought of my, so every day when you brush your teeth in the morning, remember, you're called the holiness, right? You use this for one thing. Brush my teeth. If I clean the Rosa's carpet stains, I can't brush my teeth with it anymore, right, Andy? It's one, don't do that, by the way. It's one purpose, okay? One purpose. And so that's what holiness means. It means something that's set apart. Your lives are now holy. They're set apart. They're no longer to be a, a, a something that engages in the activities, the activities of the world. Your life is now set apart to please God, to be sacrificed to him. Pursue holiness. Be set apart, devoted to him. Rather than being conformed. Do not be conformed to this world. Or some translate, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. There's, and the language here could indicate 
that this is a problem going on, and he's calling them to stop that. Stop living like the world. You're to live holy, not like the world around you. Do not be conformed to the world around you. When I think of the world conformed, I think of these, I'll put this on the screen. My kids used to play with these. I remember I used to play. Anybody have the, uh, like, the Play-Doh food set when you were a kid? And we just had like, we could just make like spaghetti is all we really had. And then your generation got more creative. Now you can make like chicken nuggets and french fries and the frosty. Like, like they, they got a little more creative. We were just like trinket up, just spaghetti all the time, just smashing out spaghetti. But this is before, like now kids are eating, eating Tide Pods. My kids grew up eating uh, Play-Doh chicken nuggets. That's when they wanted to eat something harmful to themselves. It was like, oh no, that's really gross. But you took the Play-Doh and you put it into a mold and you smashed it into the mold. And so you open it up, the Play-Doh looks like the chicken nugget because the mold was to make chicken nuggets. What he's saying here is don't let the world do that to you. The world wants to press you into its image. The world wants to make you look just like everybody around you who are not followers of Jesus. Stop letting the world conform you. Stop being conformed to the culture around you, but live transformed lives. Live holy lives. Live lives that are committed to the Lord. Faith is an express itself in the obedience of holiness rather than conformity. Have you been transformed by Jesus? Is it evident in your life? What is your life like Jesus or more like the world around you. If you're transformed by the grace of Jesus, you're going to live out your faith in daily expression, not just religion and ritual. If you're transformed by the grace of Jesus, you're going to be set apart from the world around you. Do you look differently than the world around you? When our kids were very little, this was before we had every, uh, today every child owns an iPad. And you go to a restaurant, and every child in the restaurant is, is watching their favorite show on an iPad. Sadly, you guys grew up in a different age. We walked to school in the snow. And, and you got, when you went to a restaurant, you were given crayons and a kid's menu. Remember those days, anybody? Before we were playing on our iPads, we were doing word searches and mazes and tic-tac-toe with our parents at the, at the restaurant rather than playing on an iPad. And they would give us this kid's menu. And on the kid's menu, you had these little games that you could play. One of the things they often had on the kid's menu, remember, was the little thing where it said, what's different about these two pictures? Remember that? You have this picture and this one, and it would say there's 20 things that are different about this picture. And while we're waiting for the food to come, you take little crayons, and you circle all the things that are different between these two pictures. Let me ask you a question. If we put, this is what the world looks like, and this is what your life looks like, would there be differences, or would they be identical? Could we identify something different? Can you look at your life today? And say, what's different about my life? Can I ident identify things about my life that are different from the culture around me because of Jesus? Or if you look at your life and say, listen, I, I have a kind of hard time finding anything. My life really mirrors so much. There's really nothing about me that's different from my neighbor or my friend or my coworker who doesn't know Jesus. Can we identify differences? A transformed life pursues holiness, not conformity. We live lives that look different from the world around us. Third, a transformed life desires the will of God above all else. Transformed life desires the will of God above all else. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If I'm going to live a transformed life, a life of daily sacrifice, a life of holiness rather than conformity, he said you're going to discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Are you able to uh, identify, to seek, to pursue the will of God for your life, that which is pleasing to God and not us? Colossians is another letter written by Paul in a book of the Bible. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul, the same author here, writes these words. So if you've been raised up with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. If you've been raised up with Jesus, you need to now pursue the things that matter to Jesus. You need to set your mind on heavenly things, not earthly things. You need to chase after heavenly things rather than earthly desires. We face this daily struggle now to follow God's will instead of the pattern of the world around us. God's concerns become our concerns. And allegiance to Jesus takes precedence over every earthly thing. Are you consumed with the will of God? Can you say that what I want is not to be conformed to the world around me, but to be different? What I want is not to chase after the things the world chases after, but to chase after the things of God. I want to discern what is the will of God. He says in verse 12, chapter 2, verse 12, it is what's good and acceptable and perfect. Carrie and I were flipping through the TV channels the other night and we landed on some reality dating show that we'd never seen before. We were watching this scene where the, the couple, they're, talking, they're trying to get to know each other. And they're saying like, hey, what do you think about this? And do you like dogs? And, do you like, and then one of them said, uh, what about religion? And are you religious? And the other person said, yeah, I'm kind of religious. Yeah, I'm kind of religious too. Uh, did you grow up religious? Yeah, I went to church. Yeah, so did I. You ever think about when you have kids? Yeah, I think I'd like my kids to be religious. And then they went on to like, what's your favorite color or what kind of music you like or whatever. They saw like religion was just another category. You know, just like, you know, do you like, what kind of music do you like? What, what's your favorite color? What kind of food do you like? Are you religious? And, and it's just like another random conversation thing. And it reminded me of a time that I was listening to a conversation one time uh, between this man and woman. Uh, she was married, and she was, uh, I was, I was, when I was driving for limousine service, pre, this is before there was Uber, you'd have to call a car service, and I did that for, for a, a little part-time job, and, and she was trying to fix him up with a, with a woman. And so she said to him, they were co-workers, and she said, what do you like? What are you looking for? Tell me what, you, what you're looking for in a, in a, in a, in a lady. And, and he's telling her. And then she said, what about, she said, I know you're Jewish. Does she have to be Jewish? He went like, how important is religion to you? And he said a phrase that's always stuck with me. He said, she, I don't care what she believes as long as she doesn't believe it too much. What he's saying, religion doesn't matter. Just don't get carried away with it. Whatever you believe, believe what you want. Just don't be fanatical about it, right? I think a lot of people live their lives that way, don't they? I'm Jewish, or I'm Christian, or I'm this, or I'm that, and I go to church, I do this. But it's not like a big deal to me. It's like kind of like I like Italian food and the color red, and I go to church. It's like a random fact about your life. What he's saying here is what you do when you're transformed is your entire mind 
gets fixed on the will of God. And what I desire more than anything is the will of God. One scholar I was reading on this, he wrote this, As the compass points north, the believer's entire disposition points itself toward the things of heaven. Everything about us points to what does God desire? What does God want? What's God's will for my life? When transformation happens... We place the will of God above all else. When our hearts, and, and when our hearts are, are changed by his mercy, they're transformed in such a way that our minds are now fixed on him and his will should become our greatest desire. Transformed life desires the will of God above all else. When we encounter his mercy, a change happens. And when that change happens... We now are concerned about holiness over conformity. I don't want to be who I once was. I don't want to be like the people around me. I want to be different. And that leads us to a, a desire to seek the will of God. And then we see our final observations. Key to so much of this is that transformed living flows from transformed thinking. Transformed living flows from transformed thinking. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. So I'm going to seek holiness rather than conformity. I'm going to be transformed, we talked about, and now look at this next part. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. When your mind is renewed, you begin to test and discern what the will of God is. Our lives are transformed when our minds are transformed. Our minds are now fixed on the things of God. Our minds are now focused on holiness and, and li- being a living sacrifice. Our minds are now fixed on the perfect and acceptable and pleasing and good will of God rather than conformity to the world around us. Be transformed by the renewal of your minds. How are our minds transformed? I would say that What we're called to do here is to focus on the things of God rather than the things of the world. Focus on the desires of God instead of the patterns of this world. To focus our minds on holiness rather than to focus our minds on the pattern of the world that we're so tempted to conform to. How do we do that? I believe we do that best when we spend time in God's words, when our minds become saturated with God's words, our minds are transformed, and it helps us to stand. When we're in God's word, we have God's word in our hearts. Our minds are transformed, and we're able to stand firm when we would otherwise conform. Our minds are fixed on the will of God when we'd rather focus on our own will. And we, when we're in God's word daily, we see daily examples of what it means to live lives of sacrifice and holiness rather than conformity. And we're reminded daily what it looks like to have Christ at the center instead of ourselves. So let me ask you, has your life been transformed? Three or four application questions I want to put before you today. Number one, corresponding to each of these principles we noted. Number one, have you experienced the life-changing grace of Jesus? Has that happened in your life? If you're here today and you say, I know there's some stuff that's not right with my life. There's some stuff I'm not happy about. I know there's plenty of stuff that I'm sure that God doesn't like. There's some stuff that I know I shouldn't be doing. This is not like, okay, let us give you several steps you can go through to clean up your own life. That's not what this is about. It's about will you, by God's mercy, allow Jesus into your life to change you? Have you experienced the life-changing mercy 
of God, the life-changing grace of Jesus. Today, for many here, it might be not, I need to clean up this bad things and these bad habits, but a matter of, I need to get the inside right with God. I need to make a commitment to trust Jesus, a commitment inwardly to follow Jesus, to live for Jesus. If you've done that, if you have that experience in your life, the second question I'd pose to you is, does your life look more like Jesus or more like the world? Does your life look more like Jesus or more like the world? Is your life a life of holiness or is it a life of conformity? Is it more like a toothbrush or a Play-Doh chicken nugget? What does your life look like here? It's a matter of I'm going to be set apart and different. I want to live my life that way daily. Or I'm just going to look just like another thing the world is cranking out through conformity, pressing me once again into its mold. Third, in what ways have you placed your will ahead of God's will? Have there been areas of your life where you have, where we're called here to uh, test and discern what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God? So he's called us to in, in verse 2. But rather than chasing after, pointing my heart and my disposition toward the perfect, pleasing, acceptable will of God, I've sought my own will. In what ways have you done that? And then finally, what steps can you take that can lead to your thinking being transformed by God's word? I would submit that, uh, I, let me just share, in my own experience, the less time I'm in God's word, the more tempted I am to look like the world around me. And the more I'm in God's word, the more prepared I am to recognize those times when I'm pursuing my own will and not God's will. The more times I'm able to realize what holy looks like, holiness looks like rather than conformity. There's a direct correlation between the time you spend in the word of God and how you let the word of God dominate your thinking. There's a correlation between that and, and the, the, the battle you're going to face to live, uh, uh, pursue holiness rather than conformity. So he says to this group of people that he, whom he's writing, stop being conformed, but instead let your mind be different. And when your mind is different, you'll be able to chase after and seek the will of God. Let me just give you some very, very practical things that you can do. We believe at Northland that we, the first two parts of our mission statement is we want everyone to experience a transforming encounter with God. We want everyone here to, to have an experience in your life where you have said, I, I have asked Jesus into my life. I've made a commitment to follow Jesus. I've repented and trusted in Jesus, and he has changed me in a way that's evident. Second, we want to see you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And there's several things we do to try to help you with that. I'm going to share some of those. Number one is, we, this is why we encourage you to read your Bible daily. Now, you don't have to follow the plan that we put out every day. We just do that because we think there's people that come here and say, I should start reading my Bible. I don't know where to start. Well, you can start by just subscribing to our Bible reading text reminder at NBCKC. Uh, text that the number 81010. It's on the screen there. I think it's in the bulletin every week, too. The passages are in the bulletin every week. And uh, we're going to start tomorrow. What? Today. Yeah, yesterday we finished Matthew. Oh, James. Okay, James is today. Start, so we start a brand new book today. We're still in the middle of um, Psalms. But reading the Bible daily. If you're not in God's Word daily, this is so simple. It's not like, okay, I'm going to just... I'm going to just go out and be holy, and I'm going to not let the world conform me. Well, what's the plan for that? 
the plan ought to be, number one, I'm going to get in God's Word every day. I need to be in God's Word so I can see what God's called me to, so I can see what, what, what it looks like to live differently. I can see what it looks like to pursue His will. The second thing we encourage you to do is to get in a life group. A life groups are small groups that meet throughout the week. We heard a lot about them. I don't say much about them because you hear us talk about life groups all the time. But if you're not in a life group, we encourage you to get in a life group. Move around other people who can challenge you to live differently than the world around you. But the third thing I want to talk about today, something we've been doing for a while but we haven't emphasized in a little bit, and we're putting the focus back on that this month, are discipling groups. Discipling groups are, are a group that's uh, gender-specific, a group of, uh, for men, get in a group with three or four other men, or ladies, get in a group with two or three other ladies, and spend time really diving into how is God's word changing you as we strive to be more Christ-like. And we, we have several groups that are going. Next week, you're going to see a video that we made, a couple of our folks in Northland who are, have, who are going to share with you how discipling groups have helped them. But we wanted to end the sermon today by focusing on this. Where's Landon? Landon, come up here real quick so people can see you. This is Landon Warren. Landon, his wife Amy came to Northland a few months ago, I think in the summer, right, when you guys started coming. And uh, Landon is a, a student at Midwestern Seminary. He's an intern, one of our pastoral interns at Northland. And he's taken on discipling groups as his project as our intern. And so Landon is going to be, if you hear from Landon or Landon calls you up or you see something, would you put a, a face? This is Landon. Landon, thank you. Give it up for Landon. Thank you, Landon. Lynn has prepared these cards. They're in the pocket of the chair right in front of you. We want to encourage you to be in a group. If you're already in a group, we'd like to know that. If you're not in a group, we'd like to help you get into a group. And so we want to ask you, if you would, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be drawing your attention to this. If you already can fill this out today, you can fill it out today. And later when the baskets come by, I want you to drop that in the basket. Just give us your name, a contact way, so Landon can encourage you. And want to know, are you already in a group? You may say, yeah, I meet regularly with this group of ladies. We'd like to know that. So we'd know, hey, there's, these ladies are already in a group. And it's a place for you to put that. You say, you know what, I'm, I, I used to have a group and we fell off. Now I want to get started. I'm going to start a new group group. Okay, awesome. Let us know that you're going to start a new group and who's going to be in your group. Or you'd say, you know, I'd really like to be in a group. I don't have one. I don't know where to start. You just say, I want to join a group and uh, check that box and Landon will reach out to you and help you get connected to a group. We want to help you in every way we can, whether it's through uh, the preaching of God's word on Sunday morning, the encouragement to be in God's word daily, uh, through encouraging you, challenging you to be in a life group, or helping to facilitate and start these discipling groups. We're challenging you as followers of Jesus, get in God's word regularly, getting God's word with other believers so that our minds might be transformed, that we might pursue and chase after the will of God rather than the conformity of this world.